on that day, you have two choices. I could choose to be bitter or I could choose to be blessed. And on that day, I chose to be blessed. I chose to be blessed to have a son for 19 years. Welcome to the Jesus Storybook Bible Podcast, a place where we remind you that grace can rewrite any story, that hope shines a light through our darkest moments, and that God's love changes lives. Here's your host, New York Times bestselling author, Sally Lloyd-Jones. Hello, I'm Sally Lloyd-Jones, author of the Jesus Storybook Bible, which tells the story of God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Welcome to the show. Today, we're talking about the power of gratitude. As you probably have heard, science tells us of the power of gratitude. And the most popular class at Yale is the one run by Dr. Laurie Santos. It's called the Science of Wellbeing. I took it during the pandemic. Actually, I took it twice because it was so good. But anyway, for one of the weeks, she assigned us this homework, a week of practicing gratitude. As she explains, our brains scan for danger. That's kind of their job, to look out for what's wrong. So in order to be grateful, we have to be very intentional. We have to decide to be grateful and then practice. So she had us write down three things every day that we were grateful for, and they couldn't ever be the same things. And what this gets you doing is you start scanning for the good. The Apostle Paul knew this years before. He wrote, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. But wait, how was Paul able to give thanks in everything? Was he perhaps not having a very hard time when he wrote those words? Uh, no, actually, Paul had been imprisoned, beaten, stoned, left for dead, and shipwrecked three times. But the key is, he says, give thanks in everything, not for everything. He's telling us we can thank God for his sovereignty, for his love, for his being with us in those difficulties. I think you'll agree after hearing our guest today, it's something I've long suspected, that gratitude is sort of a superpower. It has the power to change your whole day and your life. It can cut through despair and fear and discouragement. It puts your focus back on God and his providential care for you and when we thank God, his peace fills our heart. It guards our hearts. Our guest today is a race car driver. How cool is that? Kyle Petty comes from one of NASCAR's legendary families, one of four generations who have raced in the sport. He's an icon, a champion of philanthropy, a talented musician, an author, and a motivational speaker. Kyle shares with such disarming honesty about the tragedies and suffering in his life and how he chose to walk through them and the powerful lesson he learned from his grandmother that has steered him in moments of grief. I'm so very grateful to him for sharing with us and I know you'll be as moved and encouraged and strengthened as I was. So without further ado, please welcome my friend and now yours, Kyle Petty. 
I was born in June of 1960, went to my first race in July of 1960, and I've been going to racetracks ever since. I have seen so many people race, was fortunate enough to race with the greats uh, of the 60s uh, and be there growing up with them, but then race against them later in the 70s was David Pearson and Bobby and Donnie Allison, Kelly Arborough, Buddy Baker, Bobby Isaac, guys like that. I had an opportunity to race against. Then along comes Dale Earnhardt Sr. and Terry Labonte. I get to race against those guys. I get to race against Jimmy Johnson uh, and Jeff Gordon and Tony Stewart and guys like that, Kyle Busch. So it's funny how my career overlaps or my years in the sport overlapped a lot of people. So my family comes from rural North Carolina, from the Piedmont area of North Carolina. My grandfather, Lee Petty, married my grandmother, Elizabeth Toombs, and moved into to their home there, my, the Toombs place. And they were farmers. Everyone was a farmer. At some point in time, my grandfather decided that racing uh, was the future for him. Hence, my grandfather raced, started in 1948, 49, right along in there. My dad raced, Richard Petty. He started in 1958. I came along and raced. I started in 1979. And then I had a son that raced, Adam. And he came along in, in 1998. So it wasn't, it's not strange for me to have multi-generationals drive race cars because I grew up in rural North Carolina where there were multi-generational farms, uh, whether it be chicken farms, tobacco farms, dairy farms. My granddad welded up tractors and plows and, and worked on things for, for the local farmers. And they would trade out bushels of corn and, and produce and meat. Uh, and that's how they paid for it. And that was fine with my granddad. So that's how, that's how they ate sometimes. So it's funny, no matter what we've done or where we've gone or, or where we've been, when you go back to Level Cross, North Carolina, you're still just Richard and Kyle and you, you don't have a last name. You just have a first name and they know where you live. When the young go first, it makes the old question. I lost my uncle, he was Randy, when I was 14, and he was only five years older than me. So he was more like my older brother than he was like my uncle. And, and we just grew up together. And, and my grandmother and my grandfather took it two totally different ways. My granddad looked at it that his life was over with, that something had been taken away from him, his only son. And he just stopped living that day for all, all intents and purpose. He just, he was never the same after that day. My grandmother looked at it and chose to look at, at my uncle Randy as a blessing, that she had been blessed to have a son for 20 years. When Adam passed, Adam was just a kid. He was 19 years old. When you are 40 years old and you lose a, a child, anyone who has lost a child, my heart goes out to anyone listening to this who has ever lost a child. It disrupts nature, it disrupts life. When his, when his life ended and, and on that tragic day, and it makes you look at things and say, how could that happen? What else, do, what else is not in order? What else have I just been, been told should be this way? And it, it's not always that way. On that day, you have two choices. I could choose to be bitter or I could choose to be blessed. And on that day, I chose to be blessed. I chose to be blessed to have a son for 19 years. I chose to be blessed by everything that he had given me and the joy that I saw and what he did when he did it. I, I think it was such a life-changing experience that that's the moment that I started and life took a different direction, maybe a little bit. When Adam's accident happened, Adam and I had talked about a camp before. We had already started the Kyle Petty charity ride. Uh, selfishly, 
we started it because we just want to ride motorcycles across country. Um, and as we as we did it, we thought, man, we can we can do something with this. We can raise money for different charities. We we tried to stop at different children's hospitals all across the country and help pay the medical bills for kids that we didn't know. And that's what it was all about, to help a family in need. We raised raised hundreds of thousands of dollars to be able to do that in those first four or five years. When Adam's accident happened, it was just the, the logical progression to say, let's build a camp in his honor. I'd been blessed, had, had driven sports cars a few times with Paul Newman and, and had an in with him and had his phone number. So I called and said, hey, we want to build a camp. And, you know, he's, he said, I'll send my guys down. And the charity ride instantly shifted its focus to building camp and to being a part of camp. To date, the charity ride has raised over $20 million for different children's charities, but the majority of it has gone to camp to build camp and to send kids to camp. To date, camp has touched the lives uh, of almost 100,000 kids through camp and through our REACH program that we take camp to kids. We take camp to the hospitals and, and spend time in the hospitals with these kids because a large majority of our kids come straight from the hospital to camp. These are very, very sick kids that don't have an opportunity to go to Boy Scout camp, don't have an opportunity to go to YMCA camp. They need medical supervision or at least medical, somebody in the medical community with them almost all the time. It reminds these kids that they're kids. These, this, is, this, this kid is Kyle. This kid is, is Morgan. This kid is Overton. They, they, they have names. They're not, oh, that's the kid with cancer. That's the kid in the wheelchair. That's the kid that's been burned. That, that's, that's who they are when they go to their regular schools because kids don't take the time to know who they are. But at camp, you take the time and they take the time to know who they are and who each other are. And from that, they're empowered to just go home and just be that son or that daughter. The stories that stand out to me are the kids that come to camp and then come back when they age out to be counselors to help other kids just like them. And that those are the stories that for me, that are just fascinating that a child would come at seven or eight years old and love that place so much that they would come back when they were 19 and 20 and 21 and 22 to give back to other kids. And that shows how special this group of kids really are. For anyone who says yes to Jesus, for anyone who believes that Jesus said, for anyone who will just reach out to take it, then God will give them this wonderful gift to be born into a whole new life, to be who they really are, who God always made them to be, their true, their own true selves, God's dear child. What I didn't realize until after Adam's accident um, was that all these years that my grandfather raced, and then my father raced, and then that I raced, and Adam came along and raced, that we had been allowed to build a platform. Racing gave us a platform to raise our hand and say, we're gonna build a camp to help people. Bobby Labonte and, and Dale Jarrett and Tony Stewart and Michael Waltrip and those guys said, yeah, we'll help you too, man. And then their fans said, we'll help you too. Uh, and that's what keeps camp going. The, the love of all these fans, uh, the memory of Adam, and people just willing to to want to do good, to want to help other people. They sometimes you just need an outlet, you just need a place, and I think that's what Victory Junction is. It's that place that everybody can come together. You can get the Jesus Storybook Bible wherever books are sold. To find out more about the book and all of Sally's other books, please visit Sally 
at sallylloyd-jones.com. And follow her on Instagram at sallylloydjones and at Jesus underscore storybook underscore Bible. Before we go, don't forget, God loves you with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Oh, hello, it's me again, Sally. I'm just popping back briefly to say two things. The first thing is, don't forget to subscribe to the show because that way you'll get the stories straight to your phone. And the other thing is, while we're at it, would you rate the show and leave us a review? That would be so great because it helps other people find the show too. I really appreciate your help. Thank you.